Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. How ridiculous that trade is. That's the optimistic view of things. Kumbaya. He's only played 82 games once. What are you doing as a franchise? What are we doing here? Give me something. They got to be in the conversation of probably the top six to eight teams in the NFL. You haven't had a lot of offseason. A lot of people line up or they turn the TV on when the season starts. It's not an add water situation. A lot of times we play a little bit too much PlayStation and Madden and we think we can add these players and it's going to be go, go gadget. It's like Nate charged 100 miles an hour into that whoop. He hit me upside of my head and I knew at that moment there was a better way to do things. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad to be back with you, and I am so glad that you are back. And if this is your first time, welcome aboard. We hope this isn't your last time, and I want to remind you guys of a couple of things to be more immersed in the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast culture. If that's a thing. I don't know if that's a thing or not. But you can go to wadeswordproductions.com. That's wadeswordproductions. And uh, look around the website. Uh, subscribe to the email list. Listen to past episodes. All of that good stuff. Wadeswordproductions.com. And, of course, the sports line. You can call 24 hours a day. 832-941-6614. Leave your takes, your questions, your comments, your requests. Any of those things at 832-941-6614. 6614 just leave a message and you may be on the next podcast so those are two ways to be more involved also on social media at wade's word w-a-d-e-s-w-o-r-d and of course the sports talk with devin wade group on facebook now there's a fan page as well but the group is much more interactive and we encourage you to do that also when you uh wherever you find your podcast make sure you comment subscribe like Hit us up with some positive feedback. We need that, and we need the world to know that you enjoy what you listen to each and every time out. Well, this time out on our Tuesday edition of the podcast, we'll hit you with some headlines, and uh, we'll go over a number of things that top the news in the world of sports. In addition to that, I'll tell you who was D-Nice. Not who was just nice, but who was D-Nice over the weekend. And then we will also get into my soapbox. I'll get a a climb aboard my soapbox and get into uh, my take on uh, vaccines this time out. We're going to get into some vaccine talk. So you might want to stay tuned for that. Then we will tell you for those who had a great week, they would be nice. But if you didn't, you still have the blues. That's coming up in the second half. We'll hear a word from our sponsor also and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy at the halfway point. And then we will have our conversation with Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker and a part of the special teams unit. So he's our guy and going to get his take on a number of things. And then we have probably the most popular segment on the podcast, the Woman Award for the big dummy of the episode. All that and a little bit more. But first and foremost, let's get started with some headlines. In headlines. 
The drama with James Harden is sort of heating up or dying down, depending on how you read the latest set of circumstances. So the latest is he did report finally to get his COVID test. But just the backstory of what has happened is he was supposed to report. But of course, before he reported, he had to go make it rain in an Atlanta strip club. He did that. He did it big. He didn't contact anybody. So when it was time for him to report, of course, he couldn't report uh, because he had to follow COVID protocol before he could practice with the team. But he was expected for a workout late Sunday. Never happened. Didn't show up. Didn't show up Monday. It was called a holdout on Monday by head coach Steven Silas. And subsequently, he has reported, finally, I guess. And we assume that he'll be practicing today, tomorrow. I'm not sure when he'll be practicing. But I tell you what, first of all, I'm not going to get in my feelings about him getting in his feelings. Not if I'm the Rockets organization. So what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to throw away the next four or five seasons of my basketball team because these two weeks he's tripping. Or maybe for the last few months he's tripping, and I'm just going to just just deal him for anything because he wants to be out. That's not how that goes. You're on the contract for two years. Come if you want to come. If you don't want to come, I'll hold on to my money. Tillman Fertitta going through it as we speak anyway with COVID. So I'm sure that he would want to hold on to, to a couple million of that money that he's paying James Harden if James Harden decided not to report. Second of all, like I said, if if you're going to be bad without him, you can be bad with him to try to find the right situation for you. Don't care about it being Brooklyn. Don't care about it being in the 76ers. I don't know what deal is out there, but, you know, let's hope. This is what I always hope. I always hope that they go through all of this. They go through all of these changes, and he gets in, he works out with DeMarcus Cousins, and he works out with John Wall, and he you know, he gets around his guys, and he sees what Steven Silas has, you know, what, what ideas he has, and maybe how things may be a little bit different, and then he'll say, you know what, I'm cool, we can work it out. That's what you hope for, possibly. There are those who don't want James Harden on the team anyway. There are a lot of people want him shipped off anyway. Well, even if you're going to do that, you have to get as much value as you can. You have to. But I'll tell you this. The most disappointing situation is how Coach Steven Silas, 20-plus years in the league, his first shot at being a head coach, you walk into a situation where you think you're going to have Russell Westbrook and a uh, content or at least eager James Harden And you have neither of those things. And not only that, this is where the communications department, the media relations folks at at the Rockets are kind of letting him down. So he says things like, I don't know. First of all, what was really, really kind of a trip is when he said, well, you know, in these situations, I'm just going to give him his space. Like you have a choice. James Harden is not answering the phone for you. (laughs) So, of course, you're going to give him his space. So I, I get it. I mean, you're, saying, you're trying to say it, massage the situation. And then you say, well, I haven't heard from him. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know. And that's you know, maybe the powers that be. You're the powers that be. So what I would say in reference to James Harden is, and this is all you have to say, as excited as I am about the opportunity to coach James Harden, he's not here. So right now I'm not going to comment on that. What I will comment on are the guys that are here. And then you leave it at that. But when you say, you look 
Like, oh, I don't know what's going on. And I'm sure you don't. And I'm sure you're overmatched. And this is this is a, a situation with the Goliaths of this league. You talk about Westbrook and Harden, and this is a player's league. So, of course, you're in with the big dogs. And the big dogs are running the show. So, that being the case, just dial it back. Don't admit what we all know anyway. Don't just say, hey, I don't know what's going on. And maybe, you know, hopefully he'll be here tomorrow. You Just look, simple statement. I'm excited about the opportunity to coach James Harden. When and if he shows up, we look forward to working with him. Till then, I'm going to comment on Eric Gordon. He's here. P.J. Tucker, he was late, but he's here. DeMarcus Cousins, he's here. John Wall, he's here. Let's talk about those guys. Harden, Harden situation to take care of itself. I'm coaching the guys that are here. Just leave it at that. Because what you do is you look like a guy that's, you just, it's not a good look. And, and we're rooting. And see, this is why I said, and, and I'm rooting for him. But, and people did not like it. They thought I was hating on the young African-American aspiring coach. What I said was, no, I would not have hired Steven Silas. I wouldn't have done it. Not with these personalities, these veterans, these kinds of guys. You know, then they said, well, people said, well, the retort was he communicates so well with the stars and the, of this league. And he's worked with some of the biggest, best offensive players in this league. And he has a rapport with these guys. So, okay. So you give him a shot. But it's hard to have a rapport with a guy who won't answer your phone calls. So, that's happening. So we'll have to see. Hopefully he can get his sea legs and won't sink before he swims. So we'll have to see. Same with Rafael Stone, the general manager. We'll see if it works out for him. Not crazy about the Westbrook John Wall trade. Have, have I mentioned that? <laughs> I think I've mentioned that on all of my platforms. So that's going on. The Texans lose on Sunday. And again, and I only mention this because of what happens on KTSU Sports Talk. I defend the Texans. Another tough division loss. They were on like the two-yard line with a minute and a half left and down by six. So you go up. You presume that with the most dynamic, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL, you score there, you hit the extra point, and under a minute left, well, maybe a minute left, you have an opportunity to close that game out. I'm not saying that they would have. I say they would have. I'm saying that. That's coming from me. Uh, so a big time loss, and really Deshaun Watson was visibly upset. He covered his his head uh, with a towel and just sat there. He was distraught. He was upset. I mean, no, I mean, not distraught is a strong word, but he was he was upset and frustrated. And and I imagine he is, despite the fact that no, they don't have a chance to go to the playoffs. But that was an opportunity. That team with the Tennessee debacle, where they had an opportunity to win that game, it has to be very frustrating. And all of a sudden, if you win those two games, you are in playoff contention. You've already beat like a team towards the bottom in New England. Baltimore's in that mix. There's a few other teams, but I'm saying, so a very frustrating situation. We saw a couple of high school, Texas high school quarterbacks start or play in the NFL over the weekend. Two more. Cope McCoy, he got an opportunity to start for the New York Giants, Went took those Giants, went to Seattle, beat Seattle. So that was big time for Texas high school quarterbacks. And then, of course, you have to talk about Jalen Hurts from right here in Houston, Channel View High School. Uh, I guess it was Channel View, right? 
not North Shore, Channel View. Channel View for North uh, for uh, Jalen Hurts with his first playing time. And he will get his first start this weekend versus the New Orleans Saints. So that is a, a big-time story as well. So those things are going on. Also, the Big Ten. So they come back late. They say initially, we're not going to play. Then pressured by all the money and everybody moving forward. They say, okay, we'll, we'll come. We'll play. We'll play. We'll play. But if you want to play in the conference championship, you have to play at least six games. Problem with that is Ohio State, which will probably be a playoff team, is only play five. They would play in a championship game if they have six. So now the arbitrary rule that they made, they're going to break that. It just, just say, look. If I'm a conference commissioner, anybody in charge of anything, we're going to take it day by day. We don't have a plan. We Whatever whatever it is, we don't have a plan. So, <laughs> that way you're covered. Because you look ridiculous if you're the Big Ten. Because you're going to change the rule now. And it just, you hate it when a conference does something to benefit the power schools in that conference. You hate it when they manipulate the rules or if, if officiating doesn't go their way in a big game and where it's sort of the, the it, chips are stacked against the underdog in the conference. But you have to understand that getting to the college football playoffs would mean millions and millions and millions of dollars for the conference. And this is a business, y'all. You can get caught up in the pageantry and the pomp and circumstance. This is about money. This ain't even about the kids. This ain't. It's not even about the student athletes. This is about M O N E Y. That's all it's about. So don't get it twisted. That's why, like I said, this is craziness. This entire college football season, college basketball season, a little bit more hope, but I don't know. We've already seen a lot of cancellations in college basketball as well so we'll have to see and like i would say if i was in charge of anything just have to take it day by day we don't know but this is unlike any season we've ever seen in college football so that being said let's talk about this past weekend i want to tell you about the folks that i deem nice when i give them the big d as in devin way the the d nice you're devin nice I don't know how that I seem like I could put that in a better way. But nonetheless, let's get into a segment that we uh, call D Nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. If you want to talk about teams that were D-nice, you have to start with the Washington football team. They went into Pittsburgh and defeated the previously unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers 23-17. Everybody thought that Ron Rivera was crazy for benching Dwayne Haskins for the reason that he thought his team still had a chance to win the division. In fact, they do, and they were D-nice. Staying with the NFC least, the New York Giants go to Seattle, defeat the Seahawks 17-12, not with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, but with Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman. They were D-nice. The Cleveland Browns blew the Tennessee Titans out of the water in the first half, and they put up a 41-35 victory over the Tennessee Titans. I was wrong. The Browns are, in fact, ready for big boy football. The Buffalo Bills took on the San Francisco 49ers in Arizona, the scene of the crime where the Hell Hopkins kids took place. 
place versus the Arizona Cardinals a few weeks ago. This time they come up with a huge victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 9-3 on the season, and they are D-Nice. The New England Patriots finally started to look like the New England Patriots of old, at least on the scoreboard, with a 45-0 win over the Los Angeles Chargers. Bill Belichick and Cam Newton, hey, you guys are D-Nice. Rarely do we say anything nice about the Detroit Lions, but if you're talking about players who were D-Nice, you have to start with Matthew Stafford, who had a big 34-30 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. He went 27-42, 402 yards and three touchdowns with one interception. He was D-Nice. Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders, when he's hot, he is hot. He had 13 receptions and 200 yards and two touchdowns in a 31-28 victory over the New York Jets. That dude was on fire, and he is D-Nice. This tight end does it every week. Travis Kelsey in a 22-16 victory over the Denver Broncos had eight receptions for 136 yards and a touchdown. Yet again, he is D-Nice. We talked about the Buffalo Bills. Let's talk about their quarterback, Josh Allen, in that 34-24 victory over the 49ers. He was 32-40 of 40 for 375 yards and four touchdowns, and boy, that was really D-Nice. Finally, running back Wayne Gallman of the New York Giants had 16 carries, 135 yards, and a huge upset victory over the Seattle Seahawks, 17-12. Saquon, who? He answered that. He and all of those players and all of those teams were very, very D-Nice. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. With that, going to take a time out, but so much more to go in this show on the other side. Going to hear from my sponsor, Cobank Homes, and our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. On the other side, going to get on my soapbox. I'm going to tell you who still has the blues. We're going to hear from our guy, E-Rob 50, Eddie Robinson. And, of course, we'll have Ulamon Award. All that and more on this edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. Welcome back, music from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy, and he's always doing his thing, Soul Control. 
That's our guy. Check him out on SoundCloud and on Instagram, DJ Anarchy. And if you'd like to have your music played on the podcast, hit us up at music at wadeswordproductions.com. Just email us, music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. We want it to be radio edit. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point or an extended portion of a mix or an entire track at the end of the podcast. So with that, I've allowed myself to vent on things that are not necessarily related to sports. This is my moment, and I thank you for allowing me to have it as I climb aboard my soapbox. When we are together, we got power. And now it's time to get on the soapbox. So what reason would I possibly have to climb aboard my soapbox? I mean, 2020 has been so perfect, right? It's worked out in every way for all of us, just the way we planned it. Well, you know, we all know that that's not true. And there's a lot of things to complain about. But we're only weeks away from 2021. And although we know that at least there'll be one good story and there's a change in the White House, we also know that the buzzword for 2021 is vaccine. Ooh, he said it, vaccine. I mean, how many stories have you seen in the last few weeks about the vaccine? In, in England, they're giving out vaccines. And come Friday, they'll be giving them away here. We'll start to get our vaccines in America for first responders and those on the front lines. And, and all that's good. But what I've heard as much about as I have vaccines all the folks who saying, no, I'm not taking no vaccine. I'm not doing that. Uh-uh, no. And, and these grandiose conspiracies about the vaccine. Oh, this is mind control. Oh, this is going to uh, make sure that we, we, we're impotent. And, uh, whatever, whatever they think this is going. They can track us now. Wh- whatever you think. Whatever. But here's what gets me. Some of these cats out here talking about not taking any vaccines eat Takis and hot Cheetos and eat Popeye's chicken sandwiches and don't know where none of that comes from. You don't know. You don't have any idea what's in any of that. We don't know what's in our food. We don't know what chemicals in our the drinks that we drink. You have chickens the size of turkeys now. I mean, now I, I've lived long enough to remember when chickens were small. You needed a couple of chickens to feed a big family. One chicken wasn't going to get it because they were so small. Now you have chickens the size of Shetland ponies. I mean, you know, it's almost like Fred Flintstone eating a chicken leg now. How did that happen? When did that happen? How did that? And then how do you have uh, a fruits and vegetables that stay fresh for months? <laughs> you know, like, where do they do that at? You used to have to go to fruit stand all the time if you wanted fresh fruit. You couldn't get something in there. Oh, I'll eat that three weeks from now. So we don't know. Anything about what we're putting in our bodies. But this is where you're going to take your stand. Some of y'all don't even know where your weed comes from. But this is where you take your stand. Some of you all drink all kinds of alcohols and liquors. Don't know anything about where that comes from. You just trust that it's okay. And I'm not saying don't question the vaccine. You should. You should question everything. But you should also question where your food comes from. What's in your food? What's in our air? What's in our water? Do we question any of that enough? I don't know. I don't have the answer. I don't know what I don't know what pesticides are being sprayed on my fruits and vegetables. I don't know what kinds of genetic engineering they're doing on an apple that I ate yesterday. 
And I'm not dealing with Takis and hot Cheetos that you could literally set on fire. I'm not doing any of those things. But we need to question more about where our food comes from and what we put in our bodies. And I'm going to take the vaccine. I'm like this. I have to weigh my risk against the potential whatever, whatever. I will say this. I won't be the first to get it. But I'll get it. I mean, I have respiratory issues now. I think I already had COVID. And I'm not 100% with my respiratory situation. So, yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to be careful about where I take it and when I take it. Take a look at, is it going to be Moderna or Pfizer or whoever? We'll find out. We'll check it out. We'll figure it out. But I'm not saying don't question the vaccine. I'm saying question everything. And whether or not you take the vaccine, hey, I don't give a damn. It's up to you. Take it if you want to take it. Don't take it if you don't want to take it. I have no problem with it. Either way, I'm just saying it is just really hilarious to me. Some of the things that people will put in their bodies, they'll meet a stranger and have relations with that stranger. But you worried about a vaccine. Okay. I'm not, again, I understand the historical context, especially between the African-American community and the government when it comes to vaccines. I'm, I'm familiar with the Tuskegee experiment. I'm familiar with smallpox in the blankets of native americans but this time this is every this is not like a cure for sickle cell and all black people need to take this no this is for everybody and again do your research read your articles don't get all your information from facebook do what you want to do as it pertains to the vaccine so that's all i have to say about that <laughs> because it just strikes me like you you don't care about anything else that you eat that you ingest i can go on and on with that but i won't Instead, I will talk about the teams, not the teams who were D-Nice. We did that. But the teams that still have the blues. Cue the music, Johnny Taylor. When you're talking about teams that have the blues, the Houston Texans lose yet another close divisional game. This time they were going in for the winning score, but Deshaun Watson couldn't take the snap from his center. They fumble away the loss, and they still have the blues. The Arizona Cardinals are who we thought they were. They lose 38-28 at home. They've lost four out of five and three straight, and if not for that Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins, they will be five and seven on the season. They still have the blues. Seattle Seahawks, if you want to be a Super Bowl contender, you have to beat a team like the New York Giants at home. They couldn't. They've forgotten how to run the football. Russell Wilson is looking like a mere mortal, and they still have the blues. The Los Angeles Chargers, it's not that you lost to the New England Patriots. It's that you lost to the New England Patriots 45-0. That may be the death knell for Anthony Lynn. He'll play out the string, but he and that team still have the blues. Let's face it, a New York Jets loss to the Las Vegas Raiders 31-28. It's still kind of a win because you're in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes, but you went all in with four seconds left to play in the game. Greg Williams decided to blitz everybody left that corner on an island he got beat greg williams got fired and the jets still have the blues when you're talking about players who have the blues carson went starting quarterback for the philadelphia eagles at least last week he was he was six for 15 for 79 yards and he got benched and though it's not all his fault he won't start next week and he still has the blues justin herbert the starting quarterback for the los angeles chargers though he's just a rookie he had 53 pass attempts and only came up with 209 yards and two interceptions 
interceptions. He's going to be a beast for many years in this league, but this week, he still has the blues. Quarterback Drew Locke of the Denver Broncos in that 22-16 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only did he fail to follow COVID protocol, he came back and wasn't very productive. 151 yards and two interceptions. He did have two TDs, but that wasn't enough, and he still has the blues. It's hard to say anything bad about Derrick Henry. This guy has been a beast all season long. We've sang his praises frequently, but in that 41-35 loss to the Cleveland Browns, he had an early fumble, and he could only muster 60 yards rushing. Although they were behind for most of that game, and he was rendered useless, he and the Tennessee Titans still have the blues. Atlanta Falcons running back Todd Gurley went from the penthouse to the, not the outhouse, but close to it, to the bottom floor. Let's say this. He had eight carries for 16 yards for the Atlanta Falcons. He's been banged up, and everybody anticipated such, but to be such a premier back, and now you only have eight carries for 16 yards in a loss, Todd Gurley, you and all of these teams and all of these players still have the blues. Hey, any way you look at it. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. With that, I want to transition to our conversation with a member of the special teams unit, our guy, Eddie Robinson, former NFL linebacker. He always has some wonderful insights and an interesting perspective. Let's hear from E-Rob 50. Eddie Robinson back with us again for our usual visit. How are you this afternoon? Oh, everything's moving around pretty good, man. Got some nice weather in Houston. You know, we this is why you live in Houston. So, you know, December comes, you can still wear your shorts and your long sleeve shirt. Don't have to have your snow plow out. Yeah, but, you know, I like getting into the, the Christmas spirit a little bit. You know what I mean? And I know I that... Move to Buffalo. You get all the Christmas <laughs> spirit you want. <laughs> yeah, but that, that starts in September, right? <laughs> I give you one I give you one week of shoveling snow, and you'll be back in Houston on the first plane move. Well, my mother grew up in Pittsburgh, so she said the only day she wanted to see snow was Christmas. After that, she didn't want to see it. She hated snow, and so she liked it down here. But, yeah. For those of us from the South, it's, uh, you know, how was it in Buffalo? When you played for the Bills, how bad was it day in and day out? It's kind of funny. It's not that bad when you live up there because it, it gradually gets colder, you know, September, October. And then probably by the middle of November, it, it's, it's kind of it does what it's going to do. And then it's just going to snow. And once it starts snowing, you're just always going to see snow and ice on the ground. Even if it stops snowing, it's never going to melt. And so you just kind of get used to it. It's just part of the scenery, but it's not that bad because it's a gradual change. I think what's bad is when, you know, you leave Houston and it's 68 or 65, and then you get off the plane and it's 25. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's just, it's that shock when you go from one extreme to the other. But when you live up there, it's always an advantage for those teams who live in cold weather. And, you know, you practice in it and you, you do everything else in it. So it just becomes kind of part of it. So. And I bet you out of there the day after the season, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You're not in the playoffs, guys. I I can guarantee you, people in Detroit and where else? Who else is out the playoffs? Green. Jets, all those guys. Yeah, they're already loaded up. That last month of the season, what you got? Four games left. Yeah, you you getting the countdown. You moving the cars. You shipping them away. You know, you just trying to get through it and don't get hurt. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of getting hurt or getting sick, uh, what happened in Formula One this week? Uh, how did the replacement driver for Lewis Hamilton do uh, since Lewis Hamilton was out with COVID? 
Yeah, yeah, young young Russell. Russell's been the replacement guy. He's driving for Williams for the last couple of years. You know, for the for the F one people who need to catch up. But uh, he did pretty good. You know, he had had one of the faster cars, qualified second, was actually poised to have a chance to win the race. And then Mercedes had a unusual pit stop malfunction where they they tried to double stack and pit both cars right after each other and and messed up the tires and then he came back and had another chance to win and got a flat so it was just one of those days but uh the young guy definitely showed that that he's one of the drivers of the future so that was good to see how many more races do we know one race one race to go so you know lewis hamilton your favorite driver he may or may not race think it's up in the air he's you know whether he gets over the COVID and I guess what they're saying is Bahrain and Abu Dhabi which is where they're going this year has like really strict COVID practices you know you have it staying and you can't move until you get tested negative for like four times or something like that so uh, obviously they, they take it a little bit more serious than we do here so we'll see if he's able to drive before we get into our NFL stuff, I want to ask you about this rocket situation. Uh, and now, you are a season ticket holder, or no, you just go a lot? Uh, no, I've, I've been a season ticket holder ah, going on almost 10 years now, so I'm qualified to have an opinion. You know, you got your money on the line, and you can say what you want to say, and they just got to deal with it. So what you got? So what do you think? <laughs> uh, for, first of all, I am just appalled at the John Wall trade. I'm just telling you, and I've, I've in past episodes and on the airwaves, I have documented the reason why. But what is your take on the John Wall trade, the Russell Westbrook for John Wall trade? Well, if I had to pick which player I would want, I would probably say Russell Westbrook. But if you have a Russell Westbrook that's adamant about not playing here and and is going to have a bad attitude, then I would probably go John Wall. Now, you know, the big thing about John Wall is an immense talent, but continues to get hurt. I would dare to say he's a better three-point shooter than Russell Westbrook just because, you know, Russell Westbrook isn't really a three-point shooter. So, I mean, I don't think it it hurts you tremendously. I mean, he has that same type of flash and energy that Russell Westbrook brings. And so, I mean, I I can see where it made sense if Russell Westbrook absolutely didn't want to play here. So it's it's the best of a bad situation if you're the Rockets. So as as a fan, I can live with it. It's maybe not what you want, but it's something that you can digest. Well, and here's my issue with that. You didn't get enough in draft return. You know, you get one pick in 2023 that's protected and the other thing is unlike say a Durant or or even a Klay Thompson maybe Klay Thompson is a little bit more similar when you talk about what he does on the defensive end we're coming back from an Achilles and if you are a speed guy your athleticism your speed and and your quickness is your asset I mean I think it's going to be a lot harder to return the form than it will be for like Durant who could just you know he'll make his couple moves but he can sit out on the perimeter he can get in the yeah, low he post can shoot. He yeah can, yeah he yeah. can shoot over the top of anybody and yeah. he doesn't have to rely on his athleticism John Wall he hadn't played since 2018 so I just think that this was a bad deal that you I don't understand the urgency of the deal I, I just didn't understand it but maybe they were trying to appease Harden now Harden Finally came and took his COVID test. <laughs> no one really knows. I tell you who doesn't know anything. Steven Silas doesn't know anything. <laughs> He's like yeah, us. Yeah. It's been a bad look. What do you? What's your take on Harden and what he wants moving forward and just how Steven Silas has handled this? 
Well, I I think if if you're Steven Silas and you're and you're the guy coming in and, and you have these big personalities in Rusbrook and Harden, you know, one who can demand the trade and get it, and and another one who's been the face of the franchise and you know league MVP. I mean, you have to handle those guys differently. I mean, you just you can't treat everybody the same. So, I mean, you have to you have to get them to buy in. Like, hey, guys, this is mainly hard. Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is the plan. And and I think you know one thing my my old football coach used to tell me at Alabama State coach Mark when he said you gotta to be a good leader you have to be a good listener so if, if I'm Silas the first thing I'm gonna do is call hard and say hey man but let me let me hear your side of this where where are you at with this what what would you like to see Harden ain't and taking he, his calls man <laughs> well, I mean you got you got to beat him at the club or something you catch him at the turkey leg hut but you got to find him somewhere and, and, and have a conversation with the guy and you need to be a good listener. You know, you don't want to go, hey, this is what I got planned. This is what I'm doing. And he like, uh-huh. You know, you, you got to sit there. You got to listen and, and let him get his side out. And then you have to work from there and get a, get some common ground. Because, I mean, you got to have a committed James Harden that buys in. So, to me, James Harden is such a competitor. And I've, and I've watched him play super hard night after night. And that's, that's the one thing I think people don't give him credit for is how hard he plays the game of basketball. I mean, he's always on the court, plays through injuries. You know, he, he plays defense hard when he needs to, but he, he of course expends most of his, his energy on offense, but the guy competes and he plays hard. So you need to have him competing with that type of energy. And, and I don't see once Harden straps up and plays, I don't see him going through the motions. I just don't think it's in his DNA to sit out there and not compete, play hard. I feel like, it's going to work out, whether it'll work out to be a championship team or a playoff team or, or to what level is going to work out. I think it will kind of work itself out. And, and, and if it's I mean, you'll know right away if, if it's just going to implode. And if it implodes then it does, and then you just have to kind of blow everything up and start over at that point, you know, you're trading everybody and, and you just write the season off and you go with young guys. But Houston has not been a franchise that has wanted to go with young guys and draft picks. I mean, historically. Well, you got a new you know, GM now, though. You got so you, maybe the Rafael Stone can put his imprint on it um, because Morey didn't. Daryl Morey. Yeah, didn't he didn't. To- he didn't have that. He didn't have that build through the draft philosophy. So we'll see. I mean, it, to me, with the Westbrook trade, I would have wanted to trade for a young, unproven, up and coming guy in the first round pick. You know, John Wall, I think his best basketball is behind him. So Certainly. yeah, I, I think it would have been nice to get that get that and, and and I'm not skilled on, you know, college guys who have just gotten into the NBA to say what guy would that be? But hey, I would have definitely wanted to go with hey, let's give me a young, unproven guy. Maybe he only averaged you know, eight points in limited minutes last year, but he's a guy that that may be the next guy. Kind of like when they got hard. I mean, of course, he was already six man of the year, but he definitely wasn't a potential league MVP. And then he blossomed once he got here. So, well, I, and to I me, get, you could have used that Westbrook to get that kind of guy. But. Well, and see, this is what I said: if you're gonna you're gonna lose that trade anyway because you're not gonna get the exact value for him. Well, and because everybody knows that he wants to go, and and so you know, so it's and like, not, yeah, not only that, he made so much money. 
it's yeah. like you you playing spades and and you showing your cards. So yeah, you definitely were on the negative side of it going into right. It. So you knew that you were, but but here's where I say, and I understand you have to have sort of similar contract. The money has to match up, however it has to match up. So my whole point was, okay, maybe we can take on if there was someone out there with a bad expiring contract, maybe we could take a couple of those guys and then get a, a bunch of draft picks. But the way it stands, they really didn't gain an advantage. In any way, you got one draft pick three years from now. <laughs> so it didn't seem like a, a good deal on on any level. And my whole thing is, I wouldn't have any urgency to trade James Harden just because he's in his feelings. Because I'm not going to destroy my franchise for the next five or six years because you're in a bad mood for these two or three weeks. And if you don't change your mind, that's fine. We'll find something for you down the road. But I'm not going to be pressed to say, oh, he's at the strip club tonight. He didn't report, so we better get him out of here. No, nah, that's not how that's going to go. You know, and if you yeah, don't want to show if, up, don't if, don't. If show you up. entertain trading James Harden, yeah, you have to get premium picks and value back. You know, and and yeah, I'm I'm like you. I would I would keep a disgruntled James Harden before I would just trade him and not get the value back. And when I say value, I mean you have to get that young potential league MVP from a team who needs a James Harden to win a championship this year, and and you need to get you know another first round pick or two in case that pick doesn't work out where you can also draft somebody because you because you're kind of thinking okay we we trade james harden and maybe we'll be top 10 in the draft next year if if the season goes that way you know if he's not on the team so yeah i mean they're they're definitely at a crossroads and, and there may be time to take that step back and say hey we're gonna we're gonna rebuild and start it over for a year or two, I don't know, but I mean, it's definitely uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah, so you just got to see how the season starts. But, I mean, it's interesting I mean, to that five game losing streak. Personally, I'm not going to any games. I opted out, so I'm gonna watch it at home. So, so how does that work? So you you opt out, and then what? You can get your your tickets next year. Yeah, they you you know nobody wants to give money back, so you know they want to roll the money over to the next season, and so then you kind of see what you have. Oh, so they could double sell your season tickets. That's I mean that's a win for them, I guess. If somebody buys them, I mean I don't know how that's gonna go. You know, uh, well I guess they have, but they have limited seating capacity for this year, so it's not like you can sell them completely. But yeah, I mean, I, so I'm sure they'll they'll reset and say, hey, these are. All of the the season ticket holders who have decided not to come this year in 2020 and 21, and so yeah, that will open up more inventory that they can sell. I guess just on game to game basis or as a package, and then see how it works from there. But I don't even know what's the regulations that the city of Houston has allowed for how many people can attend the game. I, I don't I know, man. All that stuff that, so. is so fluid. You don't know what these people are doing. And it's just a crazy, crazy time. It's going to be for some time. But let's shift gears. Let's talk to, about the NFL. Texans lose. And, again, I know that they're not relevant in the grand scheme of things, but we're Houston-centric here on the podcast. Talking a little bit about Deshaun Watson and those guys – fumbling the ball on the two-yard line and just his level of disappointment. What does that tell you about him as a leader of this football team that he was so, so crestfallen by the defeat on Sunday when they really had an opportunity? Again, you're talking about, what, a minute and a half left to play and had an opportunity to get in the end zone to take the lead. Uh, it didn't work out because of the bad snap. What, what's your take on how Deshaun handled that disappointing loss Sunday? 
Well, I think what you shows that he's a competitor and he cares. And so it doesn't matter if the playoffs are, are not an option. You when to me, whenever you and, and you know, I got this from my guy Greg Williams, you know, he was my defense coordinator for a long time, is it's like whenever they keep and score, then you go out there and you try to kick somebody's you try to win you know what i'm saying so it's like it's and we kind of and he he would make that reference to preseason games because guy on oh, it you know it's a preseason game but they keep in score for a reason and so it's the same way with deshaun it doesn't matter if we can make the playoffs or not they're keeping score so whenever they keep in score that means they're going to be a winner and a loser and you go out there to compete i love the guy i think he's a you know league mvp you know super bowl championship franchise type quarterback like you know if, if i had to say out of the quarterbacks now that I had to pick one to start a franchise with, I mean, he would be in my top three, definitely top five, you know, but but more than likely my top three because of his age and what he can do over the next five to eight years. And so he has that type of talent and leadership ability. And so you really have to get some pieces around him right now. And the Texans, you know, you know we knew this year is going to be what it was. And so it is, it is, it is there. And you, to me, you should have traded more people to try to get more draft picks. But over the next two years, I mean, you really have to get the coach, get the GM and get things in place where you can give him a chance to bring the team to not just a playoff berth, but deep in the playoffs and to a Super Bowl championship. Because, you know, not too many teams have the quarterback in place. And when you have that guy in place and he shows you that he's a leader on and off the field, then you really have to build around him. It's going to be a, a difficult thing, but they have put together a team to decide who is going to be the or to help decide who will be the next general manager. You have Jimmy Johnson, Tony Dungy, R.C. Buford, Andre Johnson. All of these guys are on this, I guess, this committee, they're, they're counseling. Cal McNair on who to hire for the next general manager and probably head coach as well. So we'll have to see what direction they go with that. But you mentioned Greg Williams. Is there a more hated coach in the NFL than Greg Williams? I mean, he took the mantle. He took the baton from the Ryan brothers. Uh, Is there anyone more hated than Greg Williams in this league? Well, first of all, he doesn't care. So I mean, so you can, you can hate me or not, but I, I can tell you, I mean, Greg is one of those guys that you know he's going to coach hard and is expect a lot and demand a lot. And at the end of the day, I mean, you're you're coaching, of course, to win games, but it's more about the people in the room that you're committed to. And so he's going to be committed to the players and is going to expect that same commitment back. And he has big enough shoulders to take it when it doesn't go right. Um, you know, and I looked at that play. And, and let and me set the stage for the listeners who don't know, who didn't see it. So, essentially, the Jets had the Raiders on the ropes. One last play left in the game. Greg Williams goes cover zero. That means he's manned up on the outside, and everybody else is blitzing. And, of course, it, it matched up uh, against the cornerback was Henry Ruggs, one of the fastest guys in the league uh, by all accounts. And he ends up making a dramatic game-winning catch, and Greg Williams was fired the next day. So that sort of sets the stage. So tell me about what you saw when you looked at that play. Well, I mean, with nine seconds left, conventional wisdom says, hey, we're going we're gonna to drop everybody deep. We're going to line them up along the, the end line, and then we're going to make you compete a, you know, complete a Hail Mary play, and we have a chance to knock it down. So more than likely without without seeing the whole game, but those last couple plays before that drive, you know, it, it seemed like the Raiders were making some progress, and they needed a touchdown. 
I, I can tell it was one of those moments where Greg was like, hey, you know what? We're going to dictate to them. We're not going to let them dictate to us. And it's, all, it's almost one of those things where it's a hero. You know, if you get the sack, knock the quarterback out, you're a hero. What a gutsy call by Greg Williams. But, of course, if they score a touchdown, you're a so it's like, and then that, and that's part of football is part of life. And so, when you make that make that call, you gotta you have to deal with the flack of it. So, I mean, the players could have executed it better, but it's it's like, yeah, he could have put them in a in a better situation to win. But at the same time, had everybody executed, you know, you had one guy that was standing there and he should have added to the blitz, and so the quarterback couldn't have stopped up. It's all a, it's a whole lot of ifs in football, you know, and so but you did have a rookie cornerback who, you know, he played a double move with nine seconds left where you probably shouldn't have been playing so aggressive, so it's it's a lot of ifs in this that could have made that call work, but it didn't work, so that's that's part of being a head coach. You know, if it works, you, you're a gutsy play caller. If it doesn't work, then you're an you get fired and so but you have to have big shoulders and, and you don't lose confidence in yourself and, and you move on to the next one so does he get a, a chance to coach in this league again yeah i mean i don't, I don't think you, you you never coach again because a call didn't work out uh well the, the other thing not, i mean that people are saying that he and Gates didn't get along and that and i even heard this was kind of crazy i think uh, one of the espn guys uh, one of the former i think it was mcfarland said this that oh that he knew and i think he was sabotaging gates like i don't i can't see that happening like he knew the only call that could beat him was that one and he threw the game on purpose uh, what do you say to stuff like that yeah i mean if if if, if you're trying to blow the game you don't send an all out blitz i mean technically I mean, that's, it's an aggressive call, but it's not a call to lose the game. <laughs> it's, a, it's a call to emphatically win the game. If anything, it's like poker and you're putting all your hands in. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was probably, if anything, too aggressive of a call. It's definitely not a call that I would say is, is one that's trying to you know make a, a team not win. So, And ultimately, football coaches can't win games. I mean, they can call plays and put you in a position to win, but they're not out there making tackles or catching passes. So they... They can't win a game. You know, all they can do is put you in the position to execute. Who knows with the, I mean, you're 0 and 11. So it's a whole lot of finger calling and kiss my going on. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just part of it. I mean, when you, you lose 11 straight games and it's just a lot of frustration. And so, especially when you're a city like New York, the, the press conferences, everybody want to have an answer. Whose fault is it? This and that. So it's easy to point fingers when you're not winning any games. But trust me, he's still a good coach, and I think he'll get a chance to coach somewhere else if he wants to. And, and maybe he, he may not be a defensive coordinator right away, but it's it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's, it's not a lot of good coaches left out there. So you, when you have one that's had some success, and it just have to match up with the right head coach in, in the right situation. So uh, the, I think the, one of the big stories of the week, and you can comment on this, is the NFC East. Now, while you have the usual losses by the Philadelphia Eagles and the subsequent quarterback change, and then you have the loss by the Cowboys last night who just couldn't deal with the run at all, uh, you did have a couple of huge wins in that division. You had the New York Giants going the road to beat Seattle, and then you had the Washington Reds, and the Washington football team, rather, Washington football team, defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers, giving them their first loss on the season. What do you think now, as we move through the season, and you see a couple of more wins from that NFC East, uh, who, who's going to take that division? What do you? What's your take on that division? You probably would have to go with 
Washington or the Giants. I mean, that looks like the the two hot teams right now. I mean, the Cowboys. I mean, I don't think they'll they'll make any progress going forward. And Philly, um, they play the Saints this week and a couple other tough games. I, I don't see them doing much more. And so, yeah, it, it may be a team with a losing record or an eight and eight record, but once you're in the playoffs, you're in. And so, you're not expected to be in the playoffs. You know, you you're eight and eight or you're seven and nine. Yeah, they're not a very good team, but the last thing you want is to have a an average team that that's going into the game loose. We're not expected to be here, you know. And then Seattle may end up having to go on the road because that team will get the the home field, so they could end up playing the Giants again. And if you're the Giants, you say, "Hey, we just went out to Seattle and beat you." So if you got to come here and play us in the playoff game, it's, it'll definitely be a level of confidence about that the Giants would have if if the playoffs. You know, end yeah, up but, that way. And, and so, Daniel Jones didn't even play. They did it with Colt McCoy. So yeah. Yeah. So I mean it's it's one of those situations where I mean you can you can if you're the coach, you can run fake punts, you can run the onside kicks, you know, whatever you need to do in the playoffs, you can go for every fourth down because you're not supposed to be there. And so yeah, it's, it's definitely a situation where they won't be favored, but if the game stays close, they may can win that first playoff game. So uh, if somebody's going to the playoffs at the NFC East, you know, it's like I, I just had my fantasy football league, and of course I was first place, and I got the bye week and everything. But there was one guy, he sent the text message, you know, emailed everybody this morning. Man, this is BS. You know, I'm I have the third highest scoring title, but I, I finished with a such and such record, and I didn't make the playoffs. And it should be that the top five teams make it, and then the sixth place should be the guy that has the highest point total. I'm like, get the hell out of here, man! You, <laughs> if you'd have won more games, you'd have made the playoffs, you know. And so it's, it's kind of like you know, every once in a while you have that division that's not very good, and it's like an eight eight team or a seven, and then it's gonna be some other teams that probably don't make it to say, well, you know what? A losing team shouldn't be in the playoffs. So if that happens, it should be the next best team. And all that. The rules are set up that way. And every once in a while, it kind of gets inverted. But the bottom line is every team knew the rules to get to the playoffs before it started. And that's what you have to go by. And, you know, sometimes you have teams that you may have a 10-6 and six team that don't make it into the playoffs. And then this 7-9 and nine team does. That's right, just part of it. That, you should have yeah. won 11 games and you would have made it. You know, right. so that's how it goes. Yeah. And finally, I want to ask you about – you talk about your Saints. You have Taysom Hill going up against a first-time starter in Jalen Hurts. Uh, the Eagles have, start, have announced that they are going to start Jalen Hurts. And uh, what are your thoughts? How much did you see him on Sunday? And then what are your thoughts on him leading this team at this point into that game versus the Saints? Yeah, I mean, I think Taysom is is doing well. I mean, he, no, I'm he, asking about Jalen, man. I'm a, oh, Jalen, I know. Man, I'm a Saints I know. fan. I hey, want to know about Taysom. I already know how you Jaylen. feel about Taysom. <laughs> well, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start with the Saints, and then I'm gonna go to Philly. All right. So this is the thing. The the Saints are doing well. We're in the first place. Uh, nah, but really the Saints need to is is tough because you know they the Saints don't have the tiebreaker at Green Bay. And so and it's big because only one team gets the bye week. So the pressure's on the Saints to keep winning because it seems like Green Bay will continue to win. But looking at Philly, I mean I think it was a good move because of where you are with the season and and you have this guy who's an intriguing quarterback who could be the next guy. And so Wentz, you know, has had multiple chances. He had the injury and you had faith in him. You brought him back. And now it's kind of like, eh, you know, he's kind of the franchise-ish type quarterback. So I think it's good that they have to see what, what Jalen can do. 
And, uh, I mean, you, you, we know that he has the talent. I mean, he definitely brings different aspects to the game that, that Wentz doesn't. So it, it should be interesting. I think the big story about this game and, and what's not being told a lot is the Saints have a pretty good defense. I mean, they're, they're pretty good against stopping a run. I mean, they have some guys up front that are just straight out playing defense at a really high level. And so, it, and we talked about that a couple of weeks ago with Hendrickson and, and uh, those guys. And so, it's a tough start for the for the young guy to get in against a Saints defense that's a pretty good defense, one of the tops in the league. So I think that's going to be the matchup is you're giving them a start, but you're giving them a start against a pretty good defense. So Yeah, and then Drew Brees should be back maybe next week. They're saying he's progressing pretty good. What are your thoughts? What are you hearing about Drew Brees coming back next week or week after? Yeah, I, I would think because you won all three of these games with Taysom, I, I'm almost sure that you would say, Hey, you know what? We have uh, the Saints have Kansas City at home after Philly. You would think all things equal with a with a rookie quarterback, then the Saints should be able to beat Philly without Drew Brees. And you definitely want Drew Brees for that home game against Kansas City because that's going to be the you know the marquee game where you're going to have to score some points and really manage what you're doing. And I think that would be the target to try to get him back out there. Yeah, I think he'll need a couple of weeks and maybe this rest. Uh, will have done him some good as far as, you know, late in the season he's faded late, you know, the last couple of years. So maybe, maybe we'll, we'll have to see and we'll follow up with that. Hey, uh, finally, uh, how can folks reach you on social media? Hey, is that erob 50 on Instagram and Twitter? Gotta get it. Hey, man, we're, we certainly appreciate it and always enjoy your insight. Okay, sounds good. Want to thank Eddie, as always. We certainly appreciate that. Hit him up on social media, or uh, if you want to leave a comment for him, you certainly can, 832-941-6614. But with that, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preserver and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big the Lamont Award goes to the player team entity or someone in or around the world of sports that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. Well, this time out, this is not a big Lamont. This is a little Lamont. You remember little Lamont? When Lena, well, you don't remember. This is a dated reference. But Lena Horn and Fred and little Lamont tucking him in and helping him put on his Anyway, I won't get into all that. But this time out, the the Lamont Award goes to LeBron James. And now, again, I hate to be the dude to do this, but I got to be the dude to do this. Because, look, everybody has it fortunate compared to other people. There's always someone somewhere worse off than you. So, And I get that. So, your, you know, your problems are the most important to you. And I and I understand that. That's why this is a, a little Lamont and not a big Lamont. So the NBA season sort of just ended, obviously, because of COVID. Of course, uh, the season had the four months off and then they got into the bubble and the bubble was dreadful. I can imagine you sequestered and isolated from all your family and friends for the majority of that. Later on, the families did come. But for the majority of that, you were sequestered and away from your families. So uh, the season was disrupted and normally would have started in October. But instead, it's starting December 22nd. So we're getting ready here to ramp back up. Now, for the majority of the teams, they have been off for a long, long time. Some of those teams have been off since March. 
You had eight teams that were off since March. And then you had other teams that did play the eight games and then they left. And then you had teams that were eliminated and they left. And then the NBA was left with two teams. It was the Lakers and the Miami Heat. So that's sort of how things happen. So the season is starting on December 22nd. And here is what LeBron had to say about that start on the 22nd. What was your first reaction when you heard December 22nd for a season? And how did that change kind of your off-season plans from that point forward? Uh, it was like, uh, wow. Oh, and I said, oh, uh, just being completely honest, I wasn't um, – expecting that because the early conversations were going on. Uh, I was hearing that um, there would be kind of a mid-January start. Training camp will kind of start after Christmas. We have an opportunity to spend Christmas with our families. Um, you know, so I had already planned um, a, a vacation with my family, plus to go somewhere, which I haven't been able to do, obviously, since I've been in the league. And, uh, you know, so I had to switch up a lot of things. So this leaves me in a little bit of a dilemma. While instinctively I want to hammer him for his response, it really, the more I listen to it, it's not really as bad as I initially took it. And maybe that's just my my anti-LeBron bias on some issues. Now, again, let me say this again because I have to say this for, for years. I've caught flack for saying, oh, I'm a LeBron hater. I'm not a LeBron hater. I'm Actually, I find him to be very inspirational, and the way he's done things is a blueprint for a lot of guys when it comes to business and community and being a husband and a father publicly. I don't know how he is at home. I don't know anything about his private life, but the perception is, and, and everything that's out there about him says that, hey, uh, he's a good dude. He's a family man. He's you know He does all the right things. He, he avoids a lot of scandals. Good for him. So I'm not an anti-LeBron guy. And initially, my response, was wait a minute he's upset about his vacation a vacation for when, and when he makes a gazillion dollars a year to play basketball basketball not to go into hospitals not not to go save lives not to be on the front lines not to be in danger every day not to be at a job that you really don't feel safe at but to play basketball and you stay in five-star hotels and fly on private planes that was my initial response but then, you know, you listen to it more. And, of course, he's just disappointed because he thought, okay, I'm going to have something I've never had before as an adult, and that is a holiday with my family for Christmas. I want a vacation for Christmas, which, you know, A, how much vacationing are we doing now in the COVID world? I guess again, that goes back to people living their best lives and ignoring COVID and other people are sort of trying to maintain social distance and whatever, whatever. So I, I, whatever he has the money to make it safe and do whatever he wants to do. But it also, he also needs to understand. And I know he understands this. He, I don't have to explain to him that the Christmas day is very important to the NBA hugely important that is their day they over the last 15 20 years they have taken that day that's been their day and it's important to the league he understands that i think he's just disappointed and he wanted that extra time off but again you make a gazillion dollars you're not risking your life and you know you play basketball you play a child's game so i'm not gonna knock him really and I almost said no nah, i'm not gonna give him a lamont award but what i will do is just a little bit, a conflicted, mediocre kind of little Lamont Award. You are a little bit of a dummy. You big dummy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
and I say a little bit of a dummy because you know that they were going to come back for Christmas. You knew that. You had to know that. You know that that's as important a day as any day. That is the big day. That is a day basketball, sort of all the new shoes come out. Everybody runs the campaign ads. Everything about Christmas Day, you know, you have a quadruple header. It's basketball wall to wall. It's one thing that the basketball heads look forward to. And the nation kind of, you know, gets away from Christmas dinner and peeks in on their favorite basketball team. He knows that. He understands that. He's just, I mean, again, understandably, if you thought you were going on vacation and now you can't, I get it. So I'm not knocking him too much. And, and again, I admire him for all that he's doing in the community, the school, uh, just being a good dude. And, and, you know, publicly, his image is perfect. You know, my issues are basketball related, usually stuff like this. Well, he's a little bit insensitive to the plight of real people. And that goes back to him when he early in his career. And again, he was young when they when they talked about how he lost the, the NBA championship. He was like, well, look, hey, I'm still the basketball player you have to go back to your regular job i mean he was young and i think that maybe he he i mean obviously he's evolved from that and he's a, a really good leader in the world of sports so i'm not knocking him so much so a mediocre lamont award with that before i let go before i let go before I let go, hey, want to thank our guy, Eddie Robinson. Want to thank our sponsor, Kobeck Holmes. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to thank you guys for tuning in. Certainly appreciate that. Looking uh, to come back to you with a Thursday slash Friday edition of the podcast. And next time out, we will have a Why We Kneel with Kalina. And I think we'll have a guest on the next episode. Uh, a couple guests on the next episode. So we look forward to that. And as always, remember to go on social media at Wade's Word, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook, and of course, the Sports Line 832-941-6614 and the WadesWordProductions.com website. And as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> This has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word. Thank you for listening. <laughs>